everybody. Welcome to our podcast, Geeta, a mantra for success. So this is our eighth episode. And so far we have covered three chapters that basically revolved around the concept of Karma Yoga. Today we'll combine uh, chapters four, five and six in the episode. Uh, these three kind of flow together. So it makes sense to, you know, put them together. So Deepu, how do you want to start? We will divide this episode into three sections. We'll speak about the doctrine of Avatar. Then we can talk about how Krishna connects Karma Yoga to the idea of Jnana Yoga. Okay. Um, which is the higher knowledge. Mm. Then we can briefly speak about Dhyana Yoga, which is the meditation technique. Okay. So let's start with uh, why Krishna speaks about uh, Avatar. Krishna did not intend to do so, which is very interesting. Krishna was speaking about Karma Yoga in the beginning of the fourth chapter. Right. When he casually says, you know, I passed this secret of Karma Yoga to one guy named Vivasat. I think he's one of the Vedic gods. Mm. And he said that, you know, I actually told this secret to Vivasat who passed it to others and so on. Mm. So Arjuna asked, how is it possible? You were born much after Vivasat, who is a Vedic god. How could you have possibly passed this knowledge to him? Mm. This is when Krishna just very, you know, very casually he remarks that, come on Arjuna, I was born in every age. And he says that line, you know, whenever dharma declines and the purpose of life is forgotten, I manifest on earth. I'm born in every age to protect the good, to destroy the evil and to reestablish Dharma. Right, right, right. This is one of the famous dialogues, especially in Mahabharat. Yada, yada hi dharmasya, jnanirva bhavati bharata. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and it's pretty you, popular, right? Yes. That phrase has become so popular today that we think that is the core of the Bhagavad Gita. But if you read the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna just says so and he moves on to connect karma yoga to the idea of jnana he does not even explain what avatar means so he just mentions it and he moves on yeah but let's explain the significance of avatar today anyway mm-hmm. uh, do you want to tell the story of the sadhu you met in like varnasi oh yes i was in varnasi so i met this um, scientist turned sadhu and he said that ancient scholars used Vishnu's avatars as a metaphor to explain the evolution of mankind. Mm. So obviously today we think religion and science stand in opposition. Right. But you know, actually the relationship is not utterly antagonistic. Sounds interesting. Go on. So if you know Vishnu's first incarnation as Matsya or fish, Mm. it indicates the life in the aquatic form. And Kurma or the tortoise is the life in, in the amphibian stays. Right. Third incarnation, Varaha, boar. Mm-hmm. It stands for animal life on land. Okay. And from there, there is a transition from animals to humans, mm. which is very tactfully advanced by the concept of Narasimha, who is a half man, half lion. Right, of course. And from there, Vishnu takes the appearance of Vaham, which is a dwarf man. Mm-hmm. I think is they are trying to explain Homo sapiens, right, uh, right. symbolized by this dwarf man. And then Parshuram comes. So Parshuram represents those tall but violent humans. You know, they walked around killing and fighting with each other. So now science also suggests that humans' brains evolve the fastest. Right. right? With Rama, Krishna and Buddha, the ancient scholars seem to explain how humans' minds got refined. First in the moral sense, followed by philosophical 
Krishna is all about philosophy mm. and then spiritual so which is buddha which is buddha interesting so what about uh, the 10th avatar who is kalki so apparently those ancient scholars created kalki mm. as someone who would come in the future and fight for injustice mm-hmm. um but i think this is just a representative of humans okay. so anyone can be kalki and the way he said you know even you can be kalki anybody right. is kalki so he he gave some examples of mahatma gandhi martin luther king mother teresa abraham lincoln they are all kalkis makes sense uh, because you know they fought for injustice mm. and there are thousands of unknown activists and journalists that are fighting for the rights of the poor and underprivileged mm. even today they are all kalkis mm. so if you go back to that phrase that krishna said whenever there is injustice whenever there is a decline in dharma i would come back again and again so it could be any of so it us. could be anybody very mm. interesting concept mm-hmm. So people believe actually that there's going to be like a entry from a god as Kalki, but there's no, technically no drama, there right? There is no, there is no dramatic entry of Lord Vishnu perfect, as perfect. Kalki. There is no drama, right? Mm-hmm. So Krishna, on his part, never imposes the notion that he is the lone savior. No, he basically says anyone can follow the path. So I think the problem is that we wait for this uh, special avatar to come mm. and do these miracles for us. In reality, as you mentioned. we can all rise to the occasion and fight for injustice so this reminds me of a book that i was reading okay. what makes a hero okay 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 in this uh-huh. book uh, the author basically says that mm-hmm. legendary heroes Mm-mm. are not very different from everyday volunteers mm, interesting so he gives an example of something called the bystander effect mm. so let's say you're walking in a street and you see everybody standing and there was either an accident and people are watching yeah. right but we do not uh, you know want to intervene because uh, it could be because of fear indifference or you're like I, I it's not my problem mm. right mm. so but if we train our mind and we say i don't care if any no one is stepping in mm. but i will be the person to do it mm. then that selfless moments makes you a hero or in this case you become the kalki mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that basically means we don't have to wait for somebody to come down and you know fight for you on your behalf you can do it yourself yeah of course i mean pretty much there is a kalki in each one of us right. and we just need to discover it within us Power. yeah it sounds very interesting mm-hmm. okay anyway so let's focus on uh, gyana yoga here the basic concept of gyana yoga here is human should focus on learning mm. and obviously he's talking about realized knowledge here mm. which is uh, i would say more uh, spiritual in nature krishna implies that you know humans come to this earth each one is unique mm. and has a inherent talent mm. but we miss to see it because we are busy looking at other people and trying to emulate them and comparing ourselves mm-hmm. you know with others we think hey we are inferior because this person is doing something better and you know mm. but what he is saying is they are going on their journey and that is their karma mm. and your journey is your karma Absolutely. and there is no comparison no comparison so mm-hmm. he is basically saying while you are busy comparing yourself to others and thinking hey this person is superior mm. you miss the chance to discover your own talent and your own strength brilliant i love it mm-hmm. so here is a quote that i love mm. a wise person sees action amid inaction mm. and inaction during an action mm. their consciousness is unified and every act is done with complete awareness mm. and such people who are free from anxiety about results their actions are burned by the fire of knowledge you have to explain this with a story <laughs> true makes sense makes sense i know we mentioned something like this in the previous podcast mm-hmm. but let's start with the story which kind of is uh, fun and it's also easy to understand okay so we're going to go back to a uh, story of a jedi okay star wars yeah exactly mm-hmm. 
A long time ago, in mm-hmm. a galaxy far, far away, okay. there was a young disciple mm-hmm. who asked his Jedi master, Obi-Wan Kenobi, a question. It's a difficult question. Okay. What qualities do I need to succeed in life? So Obi-Wan thinks for a while and says, hmm, mm-hmm. why don't you go and visit my master Yoda? Mm. He will give you a better answer. And uh, let's see where it goes. So okay. the young disciple decides to travel and Master Yoda is in a different planet. Yeah, yeah. So he actually flies to meet Master Yoda mm. and he meets Master Yoda and asks him the question. Yoda listens to him and he says, great, I will answer you later. Days go by. Since he's already there, he's basically just observing Yoda and mm. every day he learns something from him. A mm. new skill, mm. something or other about life or something. So six months have passed. But he's still not got an answer from Yoda. And one day there's a festival that is going to be held in the planet. And there are thousands of people who are going to be visiting the planet. Mm-hmm. So the young disciple actually tells Yoda, I will, you know, take care of serving the feast to everyone. Mm. So Yoda says, great. On the day that comes, he's busy serving everybody, making sure everybody has food. Mm. And after he serves like a big batch or mm. group, mm. He wants to sit down to eat mm. and uh, Yoda tells him, not now. Mm. And a next group comes and the next group comes. So it's like one, two, three, four. Every time he sits down, Yoda comes and tells him, not now, more coming. So he's hungry. Yes, he's hungry, but he listens he keeps, to his yeah. uh, mm-hmm. master and he, it's already midnight now. And he sits down to eat. Now Yoda actually comes to him and say, I have an answer to your question. Mm. You need to be like salt, mm. like a chicken, mm. like a crane mm. and like you mm. to succeed in life. Okay. <laughs> and he just walks away Yoda. without any other explanation <laughs> as okay. Yoda usually is. Yes. <laughs> so the young disciple is confused. Mm. So he goes back to his master Obi-Wan. Mm. Obi-Wan asks, so uh, what did Yoda tell you? Did he tell you anything? He's like, yeah, he told me. He said I should be like the salt, a chicken, mm. like a crane. And myself and Obi-Wan starts laughing. Okay. So now, you know, the young disciple is confused and looking at his master laugh. So Obi-Wan is like, okay, fine, fine. Mm-hmm. It looks like you didn't understand. Let me explain. Uh-huh. So he basically says, let's start with salt. Okay. No matter how impressive a dish looks, it will not be satisfied if the salt is not in the right amount. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. But people praise the dish saying, wow, this was great. It smelled good. It looked good. It tasted good. Mm. But nobody mentions anything about the salt. But if there was no salt mm. or if there's too much salt, mm. they always criticize the salt. Uh-huh. But when it's just right, nobody no. mentions the salt, <laughs> right? The salt does all its work mm. without any desire for praise mm. because it knows its worth. It, it stands care. tall everywhere. Mm. Be like the salt. Chicken, mm. when it eats, is usually trash. And it picks the right amount and gets the nutrients from the trash. So basically, he says it teaches us to seek constructive opportunities in every situation. Okay, so that comes with your ability to see good in others in every situation, including your own failure. Very interesting. Okay, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's the chicken. So what about the crane? The bird crane is all about patience. Hmm. The crane stands in water with one leg up Mm. and it stands there just watching what is inside and lets a lot of small fish pass by and it waits for the right fish, right opportunity. It do, really? Does it happen? Yes, it does that. And because the crane is standing so still, the fish as they pass by mm. and it doesn't do anything, they, they don't even know that the crane is there. 
Really? So when the real uh, fish that it wants, the mm. bigger fish or the mm-hmm. fish it wants comes by, then it grabs it and then it has the fish. So crane is not looking for instant no, gratification. No, so mm. it basically takes a lot of patience mm. and a willingness to let small things pass by mm. if you want to reach our goals, mm. just like the crane. Okay. So the young disciple is happy and he's like, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. But he says the last answer he said uh, something like be yourself. Mm. He's like, exactly. Mm. You were there with Yoda for six months. But you could have just sat and asked him every day the question and be dejected. But you did not do that. You did not sit idle. Mm. But you used that opportunity to observe him and gain knowledge mm. and learn new skills. Mm. So every person should be open to learning mm. at any time. Pretty much uh, summarizing these four things. Mm. Success comes with dedication and learning. In which case the young disciple yeah. himself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Focus or patience which is the crane. Mm-hmm. Seeking opportunities like the chicken. Mm. And uh, most important I would think is not be swayed by your own failure or success. Which is the salt. Brilliant. Crane. Mm. That was a big story. Yeah. So let me add in another quote. Always seek knowledge through submission, inquiry and devotion. Approach those who have realized the purpose of life. Mm-hmm. Find a teacher who is willing to impart knowledge to you. Mm-hmm. Once you find the wisdom, you will never be deluded. Yeah, as they say, when you are ready, teacher appears in yes. front of you. Yes, mm-hmm. I've heard that from so you many is, times. Yeah, this is exactly what Krishna says, and you know he emphasizes so much on how we should focus on gaining knowledge. True. Um, and only through knowledge we progress. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we remain deluded and ignorant. Right. right? So now I think this is the right time to take a moment to define what realized knowledge actually means. So it's the knowledge of the self. So whenever Krishna or Buddha or any other philosophers uh, like Rumi or Mm. Plato, whenever they're talking about realized knowledge, they're really speaking about try to know yourself. Mm. And so that is realized knowledge. Mm. In fact, a lot of these philosophers, including Krishna himself, they say that whatever feeling that we get mm-hmm. from our senses, they are all momentary. Right. You know, senses mean what we see, what we taste, smell, hair and touch, right? Mm-hmm. Any feeling that we get from these external senses are temporary. Right. Any pleasure that comes with these senses also brings suffering. Okay. Which is very interesting. For example, if we experience something very beautiful, something ama- amazing and that goes away mm-hmm. and now we crave for that again. And Mm. that craving brings suffering or misery. For Mm. example, if I like chocolate, I love it, but I want more. Now that's over, then you kind of miss it. Either miss it or overeat, we become very addictive and all the same. So it's kind of, you know, this is a very radical way of looking at that. So he says, instead of finding joy in these materialistic pleasures that are actually temporary, Mm. focus on enhancing your self-knowledge. Right. So learn how to remain in the present moment actually requires a technique of meditation. Right. So that's when we reach the sixth chapter of mm. the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna teaches us technique of meditations. Okay, so you're a yoga teacher. Why don't you explain the technique? Yeah, happily. Yeah, sure. go on. I see very close relationship between Krishna's teaching in the sixth chapter and the type of yoga that Patanjali is talking about in his Yoga Sutras. Okay. So Patanjali Yoga Sutras is also very popular uh, today. Yoga that Krishna and or Patanjali teaches it has nothing to do with Hatha Yoga, which mm. is so popular today. Today we focus more on uh, asanas or bodily exercises, right? Right. Uh, But Krishna and Patanjali, when they're talking about yoga, they're talking about meditation. Right, right. 
पतंजलि डिफाइन्स योगा एज योगा चित्ता वृत्ति निरोधा Mm-hmm. which means yoga is more about calming your mind so that you know external senses mm. stop bothering you Makes and you are ready for internal perception uh, and that is the only way for you to remain connected with your true self which makes, makes sense. sense so here in the 6th chapter krishna provides ideal state of consciousness through which one could begin the practice of yoga even patanjali says the same thing you need to be a decent human being before you get into meditation mm. you know you need to have a very disciplined lifestyle before you get into uh, dhyana yoga or meditation so pretty much krishna as well as patanjali they are suggesting that meditation is a gradual process right you, you can't start the day one you cannot right. start meditation in day one you cannot just close your eyes and like okay i'm meditating it's not going to work mm-hmm. like that you first have to be a karma yogi okay you know then focus on gyana yoga because by this time when you are a karma yogi and you are gaining knowledge you should have kind of a decent control on your mind so that is when you are actually ready for dhyana yoga or meditation only when the mind is stable we can find our true self like we said before but when this true self is found apparently then that person experiences intense joy mm. you know that they both krishna and patanjali explain that level of tranquility okay you know one finds uh, that joy has no limitations mm. uh, apparently joy we experience in this world do come with an expiry right of it has an I end mean. but that joy has no end mm. it is uh, unlimited joy i do not know how that joy looks like because i have never experienced right. it but i also can understand that the more we are detached from materialistic pleasures mm-hmm. the more we experience the sense of inner peace Make, you know that makes sense so krishna is saying the same we need to start disciplining our mind right we can put our mind where it wants to be it is a training process it is almost like people going to gym and doing bodybuilding we mm. take care of our body and all those things and it's exactly doing the same kind of exercise with the mind right so instead of having this flabby or uh, lazy mind work on it and have a fit mind yes makes sense i mean you can the mind is so powerful that you can actually you know focus enough you can do what you want maybe you could lose weight you could get healthier <laughs> just by focusing on your mind anyway i think we should wrap up here okay i'm going to summarize about what we spoke today mm. today we spoke uh, about avatar mm. heard the interpretation of the 10 avatars mm. and how we can all be kalki mm. the 10th avatar then we talked about uh, the jedi story and basically you know learn that success comes with uh, dedication and learning focus or patience like the crane hmm. seeking opportunities which is the chicken and more importantly not being swayed by our own success and failure so be like the salt we also spoke about the purpose of yoga and uh, also talked about patanjali's yoga sutra which uh, the blog is will be in the description so any any mantra for today okay hmm. uh, there's a quote that i like hmm. I am responsible for every result in my life mm. and if I want different results I will have to change my thoughts and actions. Mm. I think once you change your mindset everything on the outside starts changing with it. Yeah. So mm. mindset is everything train your mind. Yes, yes. And I think happiness is a mindset yeah. uh, and the more we learn to control our mind the happier we are. Yeah. I think that's yeah. it because mm. we talked about karma yoga mm. then we are talking about uh, uh, gyana yoga gyana yoga mm. which is uh, knowledge mm. and then 
comes uh, training the mind which is meditation which is or dhyana yoga right mm-hmm. so this is where we end, end today in our next episode we will uh, talk about bhakti yoga which is very popular in hinduism mm-hmm. so i think that's it for today yeah. thank you thank you so much Bye.